Thank you, Pastor Bob. Don't you appreciate Pastor Bob? I tell you, we love you and already love you in just this short time. It's good to have Reverend Jeff and Mona Councilman. Would you, would you guys stand? These are our district superintendents and his wife, and they oversee. Uh, let's give them a hand and welcome them this morning. Oversees close to, I believe, 70 churches on the Northwest Ohio District and does an awesome job. And Mona works so hard at the, the retreat center, and we appreciate all they do. Glad that you're here this morning with us. Uh, we'll be meeting with the board after, and hopefully we'll all still be happy after we meet with the board here uh, this afternoon. And that's, it's not an unusual thing. It's a usual thing, in case you're wondering. Uh, I did want to, you know, what, wasn't Terry's um, testimony awesome? Some of you may not know Terry. Terry's wife, Sharon, passed away about uh, several weeks ago, and, and so him and Jim have both just lost wives. And so yeah, I, I was so thrilled with his uh, testimony of how God is moving and, and moving, uh, moving him towards praise. And, and then just an update on Helen. Um, most of you know Helen Borland. Helen had a stroke. But luckily, she was in the hospital when she had the stroke, and she really wasn't supposed to be in the hospital. Uh, she should have been home, uh, but she was wanting to do some extended rehab, and uh, because of the Medicare rules, uh, you had to be inpatient for three days. And although she had been in the hospital three days, she was classified under observation. I don't know. that. I'm just telling you what it was told to me. And since she was just under observation, they kept her just simply so she could meet the Medicare rules. And we're praising God that she was sitting in a hospital room when she suffered that stroke because we believe very little damage was done because she was treated immediately. And so that's, that's God moving the life of, of a believer, and we're thankful for that. And then also I want you to notice the salvation candle is lit this morning. And so it's been a good day. And uh, I told the first service, it's been a good enough day that I don't need to preach, but I probably will anyhow. So those of you who are excited thinking that you were going to get out without a sermon, I'm sorry. Um, Our kids have already been dismissed, right? Okay. Galatians 2.20. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Lord, bless your word today. Bless us as we we move through this sermon, Lord, to understand better what it means to belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week we began this series with the simple question, I am. And we asked you to begin filling that block in and uh, that, that question, I am. And, and uh, it's a question of identity, who, who we are. And uh, the series is Becoming Who We Are, Marked. And it's, it's determining our real idea. And so we, we're doing a couple things. Uh, last week, we, we finger-painted in church, and those are all your fingerprints making up that cross. And after the service, we, we put our fingerprints in the cross just to, to, to identify with the cross and say that our identity is found in Christ Jesus, that we are who we are because of what Christ has done on the cross. And, and, and we're talking about baptism. And so on this side, we have a little fountain, and Nancy Thompson designed both of these things that you see up front, and, and the running water reminds you that you need to go to the restroom maybe, I don't know, but uh, hopefully not, hopefully you can sit through the service with that water running, but we, we've got both these images kind of to remind you of what we're talking about, we're talking about identity, we're, we're talking about baptism over the next uh, few weeks, we're talking about I am what, who are we in Christ? 
And as I started thinking about identities, I started thinking about secret identities. And I'm curious, who is a comic book nerd in the audience? Raise your hand. Chris, I knew you would be a comic book nerd. And so I've got a quiz, a secret identities quiz. Let's see how good you do at this. We're going to start with easy ones. Clark Kent is? You guys are really good. Let's see, what's that? Bruce Wayne is? Oh, you guys are, you're awesome. Peter Parker is? These were too easy, weren't they? Steve Rogers is? About half. Now, Captain America is my favorite. Whose favorite's Captain America, right? Okay, now here's the hard one. Don Diego de la Vega is? Zorro. We had about half of you. So, secret identities, okay? You, you can go off that slide. We don't want to look at Zorro too long, but... Uh, I can remember several years ago, I was at a Promise Keepers, and, and Tony Evans was speaking, and he was talking about Superman. And he was talking about our real identity being connected kind of to Superman, except he, he said the S on our chest stands for saved, the S on our chest stands for sanctified. And he said it a lot more eloquently than I did uh, right then, but, but, but I liked how he connected the ideal of our real identity being found in God and, and the connection be, between Superman and us. And so we're, we're going to be talking about identity uh, over the next few weeks, particularly how our identity is shaped and informed uh, by the sacrament of baptism. And, and I know in this audience this morning, in, in the congregation this morning and, and through this series, we'll, we'll have several types of people here in several places on the journey. So some of you may be struggling with the ideal of commitment to Christ at all. And maybe you've been here a long time, maybe you've been here a short time, but you're just trying to determine what you want to do with this Jesus. How serious do you want to be about this call of Christ and what we talk about in church on Sunday mornings? And I want you to know that we serve a God who can transform us from the inside out. That, 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 that if you're struggling with this and struggling with the ideal of commitment, in your commitment, you will find a transformation that will not occur otherwise. You, you can't do it just by reading a book. You can't do it just by, by going to a class. You can't do it just by, by, by following rules. But, but somehow our God can indwell us and transform us from the inside out and change our very essence. We believe that, right? And I'm hoping at the end of this series on, on Easter Sunday, we'll, we'll have people that will say, Pastor, you're right, I want to make a fresh commitment, and I want to give witness to that fresh commitment by being baptized on Easter Sunday. So some of you have served God a long time, and it's possible that we can serve God and just kind of start going through the motions that will forget the essence of what it means to be a believer. That, that, that we're in the, the Christian water so much that no longer do we sense the difference that it makes. And, and I believe that, that in this congregation there'll be people that at the end of this series as we explore what it means to be baptized, that, that you may on Easter Sunday want to affirm or confirm a baptism that occurred earlier. He wants to hear me preach. Now, see, I wish all of you was like that when you had to leave. Maybe you want to affirm or confirm your baptism. Wherever you, you, you fit in that spectrum, wherever along, because I understand that it's, it's progressive in that spectrum, I want you to understand that sin mars identity. But both our personal sin and the general sin around us 
It mars our identity as the people of God. That that we were not created to be among broken relationships. That that we were not created to be bitter. We were not created to live in sin. We, We were not created for any of those things. And sin has marred our identity as the people of God. And you see symptoms around, around us. You see the symptoms of, of conflict. You, you, we talked about the symptoms of a damaged self-esteem, a self-identity last week. The, the symptoms of anxiety and fear and, and depression and, and addiction. Now, now, when we talk about depression, I'm always careful just to, to say this, that, that although I believe that it's possible to suffer from anxiety and fear and depression because of sin in your life. I also believe it's possible that it could be a physical condition. And so we affirm godly psychologists and godly psychiatrists and godly medical treatment that can help us deal with medical symptoms that, that have similar type of symptoms. But with that said, I also believe that it's possible in this room that you are dealing with fear and anxiety not because of a physical concern, but because of sin in your life, and sin mars our identity. We were created to be the people of God, and and, and sin causes us to live below that standard. But the good news is, God can restore our identity. We're, we're, We're tracking this through this sacrament, of baptism and, and the Nazarene church and, and generally evangelical churches, Protestant churches have two sacraments. And, and when we use the phrase sacrament, we, we believe it's sacred. From a Wesleyan Nazarene, uh, our theology perspective, we believe that when we receive communion, we are finding ourselves in the very presence of Jesus Christ. And in his presence, there's transformation. We believe that when you're baptized, it is a sacred act, and you are giving testimony to a very physical reality, something that is that the presence of God is within you, and he's changing you from the inside out. It's not just a, a cute ritual, but we believe it's significant. An appropriation, a connection with the presence and grace of God. And, and we've been tracking Baptism through Rob Staples. Rob Staples is a Nazarene theologian. His book called Inward Grace, Outward Sign. And last week we we tracked with his first meaning of, of baptism. In baptism, we bear the mark of Christ. In other words, our identity, who we really are, is testified to by the sacrament of baptism. It bears witness that we are the people of God, that there is this inner work that has occurred within us and we are changed from the inside out. But baptism not only tells us who we belong to, baptism informs our identity as the people of God. So so what I mean by that? I, I mean baptism not only marks us as belonging to God, but baptism gives us an understanding of what it means to be the people of God. Baptism gives us insight into what our identity, our character should be. So so how does baptism help us understand what it means to be the people of God? We we use a phrase in this church, our vision statement is what? Ordinary people following Jesus. We 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 you know I love I love that the simplicity of that vision statement. We're we're just ordinary folks, but but we are doing our best 
to follow Jesus, to live like Jesus, to think like Jesus. And so baptism gives us the characteristics or helps us understand the characteristics of what it really means to be ordinary people following Jesus. We we don't want to just be that. We we don't just want to use that as a catchphrase, but but we want to live true to our vision. And, And baptism helps us understand that. And so God has a particular identity, a way of life, a way of thinking that applies to each individual in this church, a true identity that reflects the characteristics that God wants you to live with. Everybody in this church, God has a plan and a vision for your life. Do you believe that this morning? (laughs) But not only just as individuals, but as a church. I believe in the church. And when I say I believe in the church, I believe in the universal, global church. But I believe in the local church as well. That, that God expects this local church to live up to the characteristics, to live up to the identity as the people of God. You know, we're, we're, we're different than any other organization in that we believe we should reflect Jesus Christ to our community, Right? And so, with that said, we're not like the Moose Lodge. <laughs> we're, not, we're not like the VFW. We're not like a chess club. We are the people of God, and we should demonstrate the characteristics of God. And baptism helps us understand what that means. Now, to understand baptism, you need to go back to older stories. And next week we'll talk about the creation account because baptism even draws from the creation account. In the creation account, it says that God created the the water and the water covered the earth and then God begins to draw out of the water life and order. And and so there is this real, very real meaning in, in this sacrament of baptism that as we are coming out of the water, we are being raised to life and order in Jesus Christ, life and order in God. And so it draws on the creation account. But it not only draws on the creation account, but baptism very heavily draws on the Exodus account. You guys, you know the story we talked about a little Last week, the people of Israel are enslaved. Joseph takes them to Egypt, and then there, there rises up a pharaoh that doesn't know anything about Joseph, and the people of Israel become the slaves. Moses is this, this son of Israel that's, that's born a slave but put in the Nile River, once again brought out of the water. <laughs> he's brought out of the water into Pharaoh's house, and, and then he sees how the people of Israel are mistreated. He, he, he kills an Egyptian um, Egyptian, and then flees to the wilderness when he's 40 years old. And then when he's 80, God calls him uh, from shepherding back to Egypt. You guys want to hear my joke? I got a joke for you right here. It's an old one. And I tell you it's a joke just so you know you need to laugh to make me feel better. And remember, my boss is back there, and if you don't laugh at the joke... So Moses is walking through an airport. This isn't a true story, okay? Moses is walking through an airport, and George Bush comes to him. And he's trying to get Moses' attention. Who's heard this? Oh, wow. This is, yeah, you're in first service. So he's trying to get Moses' attention, and Moses keeps ignoring George Bush. And finally, you know, George Bush is getting frustrated. He goes, why won't you pay attention to me? And finally Moses turns and says, last time I talked to a bush, I had to wander 40 years in the wilderness. <laughs> uh. 
They laughed in the first service, didn't they, Josh? Mary, can we work on getting me a laugh track so that we can at least make me feel good? So, so Moses has this conversation with a burning bush. You know, the bush burning is not a big deal. The fact that the bush is never consumed is, is, a, is a big deal. You know, bushes burn in the desert all the time, but this one just keeps burning but isn't consumed. And So he has this conversation, and God sends him back to Egypt to, to redeem, to set free from slavery the people of Israel. And we have this awesome story where through sign and plague, Moses has this give and take with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And, and it's a fast, read it, because it's fascinating. And to be honest, some of the, some of the plagues are a little bit weird <laughs> from our 20th, 21st century perspective. Like he sends fleas. You know, like, what kind of plague is that? You know, he sends frogs. But, but every one of these plagues has a direct impact on the Pharaoh because they relate to, the, to, to what they would worship in Egypt. So, so they would worship the Nile River and God turns it to blood. And, and every one of these plagues, God is saying, I want you to understand, Pharaoh, you may think you're God, but I am God. <laughs> Very significant. And so there's all these plagues, and then finally there's this, this death of the firstborn, this sign of the death of the firstborn. And, and God tells the people of Israel, he goes, I want you to, to, to kill a lamb that's one year old, I want you to butcher it, I want you to eat it, I want you to sacrifice it, I want you to take the blood and, and put it above your doorframe. And um, you, you need to have a big enough household that all of you can consume the lamb. So there's nothing that could be left, and, and that's very significant because, Russell, we've had this conversation, a, a year-old lamb's going to produce 80 to 100 pounds of meat, right? Somewhere in that range. And you're, you're talking about a very rich meat and so for that to be consumed, if you ate more than a quarter pound of, of lamb meat, uh, that's, that's going to be quite a bit. And so, so God's saying, I want you to gather in groups of about 250 to 350. You know, we, we see in our, in our pictures that we have in our Bible, you know, there's like 10 or 12. No, it's, it's big groups. It's clans. And I think God's saying through that that salvation comes not when we separate, even when our families, but we need more. <laughs> we need big groups of people to gather around us to make it through. And, and, and God's kind of signifying that in that Passover feast. So they put the blood on the door. And the, the Bible says that the death angel came through. And if the blood was on the door, no one in that household was touched. But if there was no blood on the door, the firstborn of that household would die. And so there's this great welling in Egypt as the firstborn die and, and Pharaoh sends the people out. And the lesson of this story is this. Freedom and life are found through the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. They are set free. They have life through Passover, through the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. Now let's Flash forward 1,500 years. And, and Jesus is ministering and he's, he's moving to the cross. Um, there is a connection between the crucifixion. There is a connection between the cross and Passover. First off, there's the connection that, that when Jesus is crucified, what is, the, what is the Jewish week? Somebody answer me. Just say Passover and you'll be right, okay? And you'll be real smart. It's Passover week. And so God very intentionally, Jesus very intentionally culminates his ministry on the cross 
during Passover. And so Jesus undertakes this imagery of a Passover lamb. And, and honestly, throughout Jesus' ministry, he, he fulfills all of these sacrifices. And as a matter of fact, the Hebrew writer says there's no further need for sacrifice because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. So we take it like this. Freedom and life are found through the cross. And in Passover and the cross, we begin to see the significance of what is going on in baptism. Jesus says, as a matter of fact, in Luke 12, 50, he says, I have, come, I have a baptism to undergo. In other words, when Jesus is talking about the cross, he connects it very clearly with a baptism. In other words, this, this culmination on the cross is my baptism. And so there's that connection. And then, and then you have Paul writing in Romans 6, 1 through 11. And, and this is longer, but, but listen to this, what Paul's saying. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the, by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. That's a good time to say amen. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and we will, he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. And now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So what's Paul saying? Paul's saying in baptism. When we are baptized, we are given testimony to this inner work where we are dying to self and we are living for Christ. What does baptism mean? In baptism, as Rob Staples writes in his book, we are dying the death of Christ. Now, this has significance in a a number of ways. First, first off, baptism identifies us as the people of the cross. And I got to tell you, I love that identification as people of the cross. I remember last year that the, the terror group ISIS was killing, uh, martyring people and they were beheading them. And, and I, I read or heard somewhere where they said, we are going to destroy the people of the cross. And I got to tell you, I'm proud to be a person of the cross. And I'm glad that our church is people of the cross. And it's significant in a couple ways. First, we need the cross to reclaim our identity, right? We can't do this on our own. You are saved by grace and grace alone, not by works so you can't boast, it's all by the power of the cross that you have been saved. Jesus came and died on a cross so that you can identify with him and in him find salvation and life. You cannot earn it on your own. 
that's only where it begins. So, see, we, we believe that God doesn't leave us in our sins. That, that, that what Jesus did on the cross and what Christ did by raising from the dead it, it is meant to transform us from the inside out, to change our very identity and essence as the people of God. Not, not just a stamp to get us to heaven, but, but somehow we believe the cross and the empty tomb gives testimony to the power of God at work in this world. Staples writes, Baptism witnesses to the truth that what Christ has done for me, he will now do in me. <laughs> I love that language. What Christ has done for you, he now wants to do in you. You Next week we'll be talking about living the life of Christ. And in in baptism we are living the life of Christ. We're given testimony that we're living the life of Christ. And and we'll probably draw more on the creation account when we, we talk about that. But the only way to resurrection is through the cross. There is no other way. It is through death. It is through the cross. It is through associating ourselves with the cross of Christ that we come to the point of resurrection. God's power at work within us. So, So we need to live the cross to fully express our identity, who we are. If we want to be truly people of the cross, we've got to live this this life that allows God's power to move through us. You know, as I thought about this, you know, we 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 use language like this, and it's good preaching stuff. And you know, you know, live the cross. What's it mean to live the cross? Does that mean you know you wear jewelry, or you know, you read about it, or talk about it? We we we're good at using that language, but we're not always great. I'm not always great at describing exactly what that means. Now, Romans 12.1 says this, that, that we are called to be living sacrifices. <laughs> that, that, that somehow we're, we're called to be a, a living sacrifice. And, and, and Paul writes, it's the only reasonable way to live. Considering all that God's done, the, the only reasonable thing to do is to give your life as a living sacrifice. You know, Jesus Live this example. Jesus lived this example of living a life of sacrifice. Before he died on the cross, Jesus lived the cross. We tracking? You know, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And, and that's not dying, that's living, bearing your cross. And, and so Jesus lived this example of cross living, and the culmination of it all was dying on the cross, but long before he died on the cross, he lived the cross. And so I wrote it like this, God wants us to be dying in our living. That somehow my life has to express this cross, has to express this dying to self. You know, there's this, this awesome insight to Jesus before he dies on the cross. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane. You guys are familiar with the story. Jesus is praying and he's agonizing over the cross, which you would imagine that that, that would be 
how you'd feel. And, you know, it, it's saying that he's like crying teardrops of blood. It's so difficult. And he, he's praying, he's praying, and, 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 and people are overhearing him praying. And Jesus saying, is saying to this, if this cup can be taken from me. In other words, if I can avoid the cross, can I, Father? But not my will, but your will. You know, when I talk about dying and your living, see, I think that's what it means. Not my will, but your will. Now, now we see that story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's praying that prayer, but, but I don't believe that's probably the first time he prayed it. I think that's an insight into the mind of Christ as he served God, as he lived this cross lifestyle throughout his life. He, he lived this life of not my will, but your will. So how can I practically express dying in my living this week? I wrote down three things, and, and this isn't comprehensive. There's other, other ways I believe this can be done, but, but, but I wrote down three that I think are pretty significant. Number one's dying to sin. If you want to identify with God... If you want to be a person of the cross, as God reveals sin in your life, you have to confess it and move past it. Now, in a sanctuary like this, probably, how many, how many killed their neighbor this week? Raise your hand, okay? You know, how many robbed a bank? Let's face it, there's probably not a lot of like blatant sins, probably, you know, not a lot of Ten Commandments violations, hopefully, in the church. I hope. That's my prayer for you. You know, I, I, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stolen anything. And I've been faithful to my wife all week. Yeah, okay. But, you know, the Bible talks about attitudes as much as it talks about those things. So, so how's your attitude been this week? Has there been bitterness? Has there, has there been a spirit of ungratefulness? Has there been envy? How's your attitude been? See, see, as God reveals those things to you, I believe to be dying, living as you're dying, uh, or dying as you're living, means that you let go of those things and allow God to begin to change who you are from the inside out. Now, I, I, I am not going to make any bones about this, that's hard stuff, right? Well, anybody give testimony that following God and, and pursuing him with your whole heart takes energy, it takes time, and it needs, it, you need other people. You know, it, it, see, see, I think we, we, we cast this illusion that, okay, I come to the altar, I say a prayer, and I'm all done. And that's not the way it works. It's not the way it's worked in my life, but this following of God as he reveals there's that struggle and we need each other. You can't do it by yourself. So you die to sin. But we've also been talking about this. We're marked to leave a mark. In other words, as God has marked us as the people of God. He, he intends us to mark this community. He intends us to, 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 be, to use the blessing that's been poured upon us and bless other folks. So that of two examples that, that I believe exemplifies not my will but your will. And, and one is generosity. 
You know, I am blessed to pastor a church that is full of so many generous people. And any time, you know, when I'm sitting in my office and I want to illustrate uh, generosity in this church, man, there's like dozens upon dozens of examples I could use. And so when I mention these people, they're not the only ones. There's all sorts of folks that are practicing generosity. I think of Ryan Polly. Ryan's kind of unassuming. Look, he's, he's about to go under the seat, me mentioning his name right there. But, but Ryan is a gifted mechanic. He's good at it. I've had him do stuff on my car, and they're still running, Ryan. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I don't have nice cars, do I, Ryan? You do, yeah. And Ryan is volunteered. Hey, Christy, if, if you know somebody that can't pay for something, that maybe could pay a reduced amount, can you send them my way and I'll fix their car? And, and there's been several individuals that have come to Ryan and he's practiced generosity by using his gifts. Not my will, but your will. How many saw Colton on TV? Man, Colton, you're famous. You are, man. If you haven't, I posted on the Facebook, the church Facebook page, Col- Colton Green. We-, we showed the video several weeks ago where the special needs kid who was a senior, uh, Colton was playing on the other team. He got the rebound and passed it to the kid. Well, Channel 10 did like a five-minute interview section on him. And it, it was one of the best little news sections I've seen for a while. And, and I love the statement they made at the end because they talked about the size of Colton's family and, and all that. And they, and, and they said, after all, what's one more brother? <laughs> You know, Colton got that rebound, and, you know, everybody wants to score. And it had been very easy to turn around and try to get a layup or try to score a basket. But without, he, you didn't even think, did you, Colton? He caught him just right back. Generosity. Not my will, but your will. I wrote, generosity begins when we realize that we are simply stewards of our talents and assets. That's where it starts. All these things that we think we possess, they, we don't. They're God's. And he's entrusted us with them, allowing us to use them for our good and his glory. Hospitality. <laughs> Extending grace and fellowship beyond what's easy and normal. Think about the example of Jesus. Jesus is this true example of hospitality. And when you look at those who've gathered around Jesus, it it is a motley crew. It is a a diverse group of people who have gathered around Jesus. You have Pharisees, and you have priests, and you have fishermen, and you have tax collectors, and you have zealots, and you have Essenes. You, You have all these various parties. You have sinners. You have prostitutes. And they've all gathered around Jesus, and they feel comfortable in his presence. And I thought about that, and I, we focus so much on the deity of Christ that I think sometimes we forget the humanity of Christ. But, but I believe Jesus, in a lot of ways, is like us, in that there's, there's certain groups of people that you're more comfortable with, Right? You know, give me an IU basketball fan and we can sit and talk for hours. All you Buckeyes make me a little uncomfortable from time to time. But, you know, we, we all have people we're more comfortable with than others. 
And I think Jesus was the same way, that that Jesus had people that maybe it would have been more natural for him to associate with, and yet we find Jesus practicing hospitality and love and grace with everyone. Hospitality begins when we see others like God sees them. Jesus saw other people like God saw them. And because he saw other people in that way, it was easy for him to practice hospitality. You know, I, I've known people in my life that, that are just awesome at hospitality. Last summer, Jim here at Trenton was killed in a car wreck. And uh, Jim was just a good old Kentucky boy. How many good old Kentucky boys we have in here, right? Jeff, aren't you a good old Kentucky boy, kind of? Kind of, all right. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Tammy? Yeah, and, and nobody was a stranger to Jim. And so people would come into the church, and, and, and he would just, he'd just love and welcome everybody. And in Trenton, the, the main gathering place, and there's really not a main gathering place in Marysville, is there? The, the, the Nazarene Church, is that where, the well right here? In, Mary, in Trenton, there was a place called Todd's IGA, which was like a, a smaller Turkey Hill and all, as my dad was a barber, as he called all those old guys that weren't working that would just come into those places, all the loafers <laughs> would come in and gather and have coffee. And Jim was not only the host of our church, he was the host of the community. And when Jim died, it took hours for all the people to come by and just see. He wasn't anything special other than he saw everyone else was special. We had a a couple at Tri-County known, uh, John and Rosemary Weller. And and John and Rosemary were were awesome as people came into the church to include them and and bring them into the circle of friendship. And if you were at the church one Sunday or one Sunday night, you were going out to eat with them. They weren't paying, trust me, we paid. But they were taking people out. I think the first place we ate with them was La Rosa's. And, and they were a master at bringing people in and loving them because I believe they saw the value in other folks. But what about us? We're talking about over the next few weeks leaving a mark in Marysville. Is there somewhere that you can practice generosity, that you can serve, that you can give, that, that you can demonstrate the mind of Jesus Christ by, by giving of your assets, of giving of your talents, because you realize they don't belong to you anyhow, they belong to God, and they've been given to you so that you can be a blessing? Where can you serve in that way in the next few weeks? And, and as far as hospitality in this local church, who is it that you can invite into your local home? You know, in the church, there is a limit to the amount of hospitality we can practice in this place. Do you realize you can be a friendly church but not practice true hospitality? But I'm telling you, it's impossible to have people in your home without practicing hospitality. Can I speak from my heart? This is a great church. I tell you, I I don't know that I've ever been part of a church 
that's greater than this church. But somehow we've got to break through the comfort and open up our homes to each other. Who is it in this congregation that, that God's calling you? That maybe you don't know them very well. Maybe, maybe they've just been coming for a few weeks. Maybe they've just been coming a few, few Sundays. Maybe, maybe they've been here for a long time, but you don't know them. But who is it in this church that God's saying, you know, you really need to step out? Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's at Bob Evans. Maybe it's at Starbucks or Tim Hortons. Maybe that's, but somehow outside this building, you've got to find the connection with them. And it's not because pastor's twisting your arm, but it's because God's laying them on your heart. And if you were honest, it's just obeying what the Spirit's calling you to do. See, God calls us to move outside our comfort zones. <laughs> and Jesus gives us this perfect example of moving outside his comfort zone. We live a mark. We leave a mark when we live the cross. Stand with me if you will. I'm sorry, I've been long-winded today. Jeff, I usually don't preach an hour. It, feels like, it felt, just felt like an hour. It was only like 10 minutes. But uh, I'm going to close this in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your goodness and your mercy. We're thankful for the cross, what it means. We are the people of God. And Lord, I, I pray that you'll help us as we uh, just continue to move through this series and, and consider what it means to be baptized. Uh, Lord, if, if we've not partaken of that sacrament, Lord, I pray that you'll give us a boldness and a willingness uh, to, to follow you, to follow your example and be baptized. Lord, if, if you would will it, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to um, see the necessity maybe of affirming or confirming a baptism. But Lord, most of all, I pray that you'll help us to be people of the cross. Not simply appropriating the benefits of the cross, but living as people of the cross, dying in our living every day. We love you. We give you thanks for your presence among us today. And we ask you, Lord, as we go from this place to help us to have the realization that we're not leaving your presence. But where we go, you go. And Lord, we have the, the awesome opportunity of blessing people and showing you to other folks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.